How goes it, Mr. Warlock? Winter, please. I've got my magic power working just fine. I can cast up a big freeze, yes, sir. I think I can guarantee a white Christmas. Wonderful. Then let's be off. And remember, behave yourselves, because Santa can still look into his magic snowball and see just what you're up to. Magic a snowball? That's a kind of a creepy, don't you think? I mean, maybe I ought to set the record this straight. Long time ago, a father peeked out of his room and later one night, and they saw a stranger climbing the lattice toward his daughter's window. Skimming to fix this intruder, he grabbed a big chunk of firewood and he snuck out the side. He was in a terrible mood because, well, he had lost his money. And he didn't have enough gold to pay the required dowry for his three daughters to get married. And so he was planning to sell them as prostitutes. He was a bad man. Well, as he was uh, scraping outside, he heard a thud. The intruder had thrown something into his daughter's room. And then he could see him scurrying down the lattice. And so he ran after him and he tackled him. And he was surprised to find it was a well-dressed teenager boy. He was about ready to clobber him when his daughter came running saying, Daddy, Daddy, don't clobber him. He threw something into my window. Look at what he threw into my window. It was a leather bag full of gold, just enough to pay the required dowry. The father looked at the boy and said, what is the meaning of this? And the boy said, I am a Christian. I, I, I'm a Christian and my wealthy parents died recently, leaving me a large inheritance. I give because Jesus has given everything to me. And he tells us that we should sell our possessions and to give it to the poor. Well, the father, he had a hard time believing that. And so he said, why are you sneaking around here in the middle of the night? And the boy said, because Jesus said that when we give, we should not let our right hand know what our left hand is doing. But we should be doing our giving in a secret. And then he begged the man not to tell no one. Over time, that the boy did the very same thing for the other two daughters. When he threw the bag of gold into the room of the youngest daughter, do you know where it had landed? Do you? In her stocking. Yeah, landed in her stocking. <laughs> for the secret the joy of a given, this boy kept giving gifts in the middle of the night. He kept about nothing for himself. He even joined a monastery and lived the life of a poor, a poor monk. But people, they certain, soon learned who this midnight gift giver was, and they made him the bishop of Myra. Now, Myra is in uh, Lycia. It's a province in the, the, Roman, the Roman Empire. And even as the bishop, he loved the poor little children. And so he would, he would let the poor little children, I'm moving this so I don't set myself on fire. He would, uh, he, he would let the poor little children, he would let them wear his fancy bishop hat. He got into trouble for doing that from time to time. It was a very, very nice hat, and I should know because I am that bishop. I die, <laughs> sorry, in the 325 A.D. No, 345 A.D., 342 A.D., 
May 9, 1087, they came and they got my bones and took them uh, to Bari in Italy. And by that time, people were telling us some crazy stories about me and about bones. You see, my name is Nicholas, and I am a saint. <laughs> yeah, I know that you, you people, you say, well, all of Jesus' people are saints. Yeah, sure, but, but I am a certified got my peppers from Rome, <laughs> saint named Nicholas, three miracles. Not one of them was a card trick. I put that right here so you can remember who I am. I'm the patron saint of all kinds of things, from unmarried girls to children, of course. I'm the patron saint of sailors and merchants, perfumers and pawnbrokers. And there's something that they call apothecaries. I had to look that up. It means something like a drug dealer, which goes along with the fact that I am the patron saint of New York City. <laughs> now, some of you are nervous because you're thinking to yourself, hey, Saint Nicholas, aren't you supposed to be, to be doing something right about now, you know, tonight? Maybe you watch too much television, you know? Some of you, you're thinking, well, where's your clothes? Where are your, where are your fancy clothes? Well, these are my clothes. But for you, I do the hat, all right? I put the hat on. You know, they just, uh, they just paint me like this in the Middle Ages because they figured that this is what the saints, the richest saints look like in heaven. They figured that heaven was like a giant Santa Claus a convention or something. Some of you, you're a little bit angry because you're thinking to yourself, hey, Santa Claus, it's, this is a church. What are you doing here and now on the Christmas Eve? You're a secular person. You're not welcome here. Well, that hurts my feelings a lot. You know, this is a hard time of year for me. Where I come from, I get to tease it a lot. You know, Saint Peter? You, you heard of St. Peter, right? He's the patron saint of a lot of stuff, too. But did you know that St. Peter is the patron saint of stupid jokes? It's true. He's on all those stupid having jokes, right? I mean, people, they, they uh, tell those jokes. You know, St. Peter, he says to the guy, Angelina Jolie, she's chained to you, not because she's your punishment, but you are her punishment. Hi, he thinks it's so hilarious. He laugh, he laugh, he laugh. And he often, he often say to me around this time of year, he come up to me and he says, hey, Nick, Nick, this is your special day coming up, isn't it? December 25. Hey, you're going to have a party. Why don't you invite the Jesus to your party and, and maybe you give him a toy train or something. He thinks he's just so hilarious, but I get embarrassed. Jesus, he always said to me, Nick, Nick, just ignore him. Peter opened his mouth about everything. He doesn't know what he's saying. It's a problem with that name of Peter or something. But you see, it's all very embarrassing for me because you like to turn me into an idol on the Jesus' birthday. In your country, I'm like the patron saint of greed. You know, an idol is something that you make to suit yourself, like a god that you make to suit yourself. And so you make me into a jolly old elf because a jolly old elf is a safe. And you make me chubby. 
So on the Christmas day, when they say to you, have another piece of the pecan pie, you think to yourself, I shouldn't have another piece of the pecan pie. But then you say, but jolly old St. Nicholas has got that big belly, so sure, I'll have a whole pie. And you make a mess story to be just like the way you want it to be. You know, a couple hundred years ago in your country, crazy Dutch people, they combined a mass story with the story of a Nordic folkloric a magician who punished the naughty children and rewarded the nicer children with the gifts. Jesus Louis, I mean, when I gave that gold to that naughty man, he was very naughty. I still gave him a nicer gift. That's the point of a Christmas. So I'm not a Nordic folkloric magician. And I'm not an elf. And I'm not a fat. Okay, maybe I could lose a few pounds here and there, you know, but you sing it that song. You sing it that song. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. That's a kind of creepy. <laughs> I mean, you give all of your little children's like a neurosis, right? He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Well, if you are good for the sake of getting a gift, you're not good for goodness sake, you're good for badness sake, you're good for the sake of greed. It's like if you're good in order you go to heaven and not to go to hell, you're not being good for goodness sake, you're being good for badness sake. You're using the God in order to get his stop and to sever your tail, right? Yeah, you sing it to the kids, you sing it to the kids, the song, you sing it to the kids. Um, uh, he's making a list, he's checking it twice, he's gonna find out who's not in the, You use me to threaten your kids and to make them go to bed. <laughs> like a preacher, use a God uh, to make people give money and to do what he wants to do. I, I know about that. <laughs> you turn me into an idol at the Christmas. Your pastor, a nice man, he was talking to me and he told me that when he was a boy, he said to his mommy one day, he said, mommy, if Santa Claus is so amazing that he can make a reindeer fly and he can fit his big belly down our little chimney, why don't we worship a Santa Claus instead of a Jesus? You see, that's what's scaring me. You're getting me confused with the Jesus on his birthday. The legend that you think is me is what you want God to be. God should be a jolly old elf who only shows up once a year and you don't even have to talk to him. You just give him a cookie and he gives you some toys. He's making a list and checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. You better hope that God is not making a list and checking it twice to find out who's naughty and nice because it's only going to give good gifts to the, to the nice children because according to Jesus, we're all naughty and only one is nice. Only one is good. Only God is good. Only God is good. So you better hope God is not like a Santa Claus or we'll all be going straight to hell. Ho, 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 and the Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> we don't deserve a gift. And you see, if we deserved a gift, it wouldn't be a gift. 
wouldn't be Christmas. The point of a Christmas is that God gives good gifts to very naughty people. So God is not Santa Claus. He's more like anti-Claus. God is not Santa Claus. So who is God and what does he want? God is a baby named Emmanuel, means God with us. God is a baby wrapped in a swaddling clothes and a lion in a manger. He's a poor peasant baby who's got nothing, not even a reindeer at the North Pole. You know, God is not just creator of everything who is good for everything. God is a baby who is good for nothing. You know, Santa Claus, he's a good for everything, from a toy trains to making your kids go to bed. Religion is a good for everything, from uh, uh, making your marriage work to raising the money. But a baby, a baby is a good for nothing. A baby is a good for nothing because a baby is just a good. A baby. Like a breath of a God is just a good. A baby is a, just a breath of a God without much dust. You know, a baby is uh, like a person without much resume. A baby has not had the time uh, to decide to be naughty or nice. A baby is a person not a very attached to this world. So a baby is a hard to manipulate. A baby is a hard to control. A baby is a hard to use. I mean, you take a baby to a nice Italian restaurant, and that baby will cry if it wants to. That baby will bang on his high chair if he wants to. That baby will go poopoo if he wants to. And that baby will not pay your tab and pay for your dinner, even if that's what you wanted the baby to do. Baby is harder to manipulate. A baby is harder to control. A baby is harder to use. But a baby is easy to love. And God became a baby. He must want you to know that he's a person. Not to use like a Santa Claus, but to know like a baby. Not to use like a prostitute, but to know like a baby. Not to use like a religion or some formula, but to know like a baby. We all try to use God. I think that's why we want to know about God, so that we can use God. We all try to use God, but very few people wanted to love God and therefore know God. We all try to use God, and we don't want to know God. That is a very, very, very old problem. In my day, there was a man named Arius. He studied the Greek philosophy, and he started saying that Jesus, that baby in the manger, wasn't really God, but that God was like some kind of force field or something, you know, something that wouldn't want to be very close to us. Well, Emperor Constantine, he called the greatest church council of all time in order that we would all get together and to think this one through. In Nicaea, 325 AD, we all get, Nicaea was just north of Amara a little way, and we meet to talk about this, and that's where we started writing that Nicene Creed that you read it there tonight. Many of us had, had the scars on our body from hot 
pinchers and the pokers with which we were tortured because we believed that that baby in the manger was God, God with us, God suffering with us. Well, anyway, during the council, Arius, he got up at one point and he started singing his song about Jesus. Got to this line, God begot him, and before he was begotten, he was a not. Now, I'm ashamed to tell you, but you can Google this and find out for yourself, so I might as well tell you. But I got so mad at that point that I got up and I walk across in the front of everybody while Arius is singing his song, and I just punch him as hard as I could right in the mouth. I'm sorry, because that doesn't make a very good Christmas card, you know. Jolly old St. Nicholas a punch another heretic in the great church council. I Googled me, and I found this. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you divide, deny the divinity of Christ. So if you're an Aryan, duck. <laughs> but I'm sorry. I'm sorry because that's not very much like a Jesus. And I'm sorry because I lost my job as a bishop for a while. But it got me so mad. So mad because, you see, for me, everything depends on the fact that God was actually in that food trough in Bethlehem, a good-for-nothing baby. Because that means that God is a person. And God wants what every baby wants. Not gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Stupid, wise man. A baby could choke on the gold, of frankincense, and myrrh. He wants what every baby wants. And what does every baby want? Every baby wants for you to pick them up and to hold them closer to your heart. You know, it's hard to hold the uncreated creator closer to your heart. It's hard to hold the consuming fire closer to your heart. But it's easy to hold the baby closer to your heart. You know, when the Joseph held the baby Jesus, he was holding God. When Mary nursed the baby Jesus, she was nursing the uncreated creator. When those stinky shepherds sang lullabies to baby Jesus, they sang the eternal consuming fire to sleep. Sleep in heavenly peace. And that was a, perhaps the first time that God was ever truly and really loved by the people that he had made for just who he was, his person, his heart. And Jesus from the bosom of the Father, a baby. Your pastor told me that, that one Christmas... He was so busy, and, and everybody wants something from him. You know, give me this, uh, give me that. And then he went to, to tuck his little daughter Becky into bed late one night. And when he leaned over her, she reached up with her little hands, and she grabbed his head and pulled it down to her tummy, and she said, you be the little baby, and I be the big mommy. And then she just stroked the back of his head. And to hold him closer to her heart. Your pastor, he, he said to me, he said, Nick, Nick, for a moment, I had such peace, heavenly peace. She made 
na Christmas. You know, when those stinky shepherds held the baby Jesus and they sang him to sleep, heavenly sleep, but they sang God to sleep and they made his Christmas. Maybe you could make his Christmas too. Christmas means that God is lonely for you. Just you, not your gold, your frankincense, and the myrrh. He's got uh, plenty of that. He's just lonely for you, and he hopes that you would be lonely for him too. So who is God? <laughs> His baby in the manger. And what does he want? He wants you to pick him up and to hold him closer to your heart. And what does he want to give you? He wants to give you his heart. Now fasten your seatbelt. Did you hear what I just said to you? He wants to give you himself. Because he's a baby, right? A baby is good for nothing, just good. What can a baby give you except for himself? A God who wants to give you himself, and he is a goodness himself. He's good. See, God gives good gifts to naughty people, and he is the good gift. He's the goodness. He is the nice, and he makes you nice. Actually, nothing is more naughty than thinking that you make yourself nice because Jesus is the nice, and God makes you nice with Jesus. So thinking that you make yourself nice is like a stealing the baby Jesus from the manger. But actually being nice is like holding the baby Jesus closer to your heart because you are the manger. You are the stinky manger. You are the naughty and he is the nice. God make you nice with the Jesus. That's the way he make everything with the Jesus. When you hold the baby, the baby changes you. When you hold the baby, you cannot hold on to other things like your addictions and your self-centeredness and your pride. You know, when people hold a baby, they can't hang on to their human dignity. You just watch them. They can't hang on to their human dignity because they started making the faces. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. They started blowing bubbles. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> a goo goo gaga. You play a patty cake, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Goo 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 gaga. But, but the proud people, people who say, what do I get for doing that? They usually don't hold the babies. And they don't know what the goodness is. They don't know what the nice is. They don't know what the heaven is. But anyway, I'm saying you don't get a gift. You don't get a gift for being good. Being the good is the gift that you get. Goodness is the gift that you get. Love is the gift that you get. God is the gift that you get. And now I hesitate to say this to you because I don't want to corrupt your, your motives. But when you hold the baby, when you get him, when you get love, you get all things with him. Because then you can enjoy all things with him. With him. You know, your scientists, they now say that everything came from nothing. Which means they cannot ask, what did that? They have to ask, who did that? Who did that Big Bang thing? 
Santa Peter, he loves that. This is his favorite jokes. Who did that? The baby did that. That's who did that. So God, God is a baby in a manger. And what does he want from you? He wants you to pick him up and to hold him closer to your heart. But maybe you're still thinking, I can't pick him up and hold him closer to my heart because I'm naughty and I'm not nice. And he's making a list and checking it twice. Listen to me. The Bible says that God is love. And love keeps no record of wrongs, 1 Corinthians 13. So I don't think that the baby is keeping a record of your wrongs. But the devil is keeping a record of your wrongs. Did you know that the baby, he grow up, he become a man and he die on a tree, crucified on a tree, to cancel out your certificate of a debt. And then he gives you his goodness to fill up all of your badness. And God, the Father, he look at the list, he check it twice, and he think it to himself, oh, my goodness, how nice. <laughs> Nicholas is a saint. He never punched nobody. He's a just like my boy Jesus, <laughs> that Nicholas. So God, Jesus, he is not, uh, he's not making a record of your wrongs. He's already forgiven them. He's not keeping a list of your bad deeds, but he is keeping a list, not of deeds, but of names. It's called the, the Lamb's Book of Life. I think they are the names of the people that wanted to pick him up and hold him closer to their heart. Don't know if you know this, but uh, in the heaven, we got the movies, yeah. We get the movies. And I think this is maybe my favorite scene of any movie. It's a Mother Mary picking up a Jesus and holding him close to her heart. She holds him closer to her heart when he seems to be good for nothing, just good. She loved him, not for his everything. She loved him, and that she knows him. So who is God? He is Jesus. And what does he want? He wants you to pick him up and to hold him closer to your heart. And where is he? Well, he is everywhere. How do I explain this to you? Because you don't know shepherds and the mangers. But you do know hobos and the dennies, right? A few years ago, a woman named Nancy from your city, not far from here, um, a true story, she stopped into a Dennis restaurant on a Christmas Eve, about Christmas Eve. She was with her husband, Dennis, and her one-year-old son, Eric. And when they sat down, Eric started banging on his high chair. 
and he was banging louder on his high chair. They couldn't control him. They didn't know what Erica was doing. He started to smile and uh, laugh, and then they could see that he was laughing at somebody. So they looked to see who the somebody was, and it was old hobo sitting by the door of the Denny's. His clothes were all dirty and torn. His hair was greasy and matted and full of I don't know what. And he was a drunk. He started calling out to Eric. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hi, baby. Do you play pancake, baby? <laughs> hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. But it wasn't cute. It was embarrassing. To me, I realized he looked like one of those shepherds. He looked like an old shepherd. And the kid now would say, that's a naughty old man. Well, uh, Dennis, he looked at Nancy and he say, let's leave. I pay the bill, you get Eric and we go. And so Nancy, she pick up Eric, hoping to avoid uh, talking to the old hobo by the door. But as she's uh, walking by, as she approached, Eric's eyes, they drill in uh, to the hobo's eyes, his uh, newfound friend. And as she walks by, he just, uh, just lunges from her arms. She turn and she catch him just in time, but she finds herself staring into the face of this uh, old stinky hobo, and he says it to her. Hey, lady, can I hold your baby? Not can I have some money, but can I hold your baby? Before she knew it, Eric was in his arms. And so this uh, very stinky old naughty man and this innocent little baby boy, they just uh, hug each other. Eric he take his little baby face, his clean the baby cheek, and he just press it into the grimy old coat. And with his gnarly old callous hands from a very hard life, the old man, he had just a stroke at the back of Eric's head, and then he hauled him closer to his heart. Tears run from his eyes down his cheek, and then he looks at Nancy and he says, Lady, you take good care of this baby boy. She mumbled and said, I will, sir. And then he, he peeled Eric away from his chest like he was ripping the heart out of his own body and he handed him back to Nancy and he said, Ma'am, you made my Christmas. God has made your Christmas. Because you are, we are, we are that old hobo. And the God has given us his son. And even though we try to use him for our own purposes and our own desires and our own plans, even though we would take him and try to take his life by nailing him to a tree, God keeps handing him back to us. Jesus forgives himself to us. And they say to us, this is my body, broken for you, given to you, take and eat. This is my blood, shed for you, take and drink. Only hold me. Close to your heart. He makes it your Christmas. And that's how he makes it you.
in his own image, the image of love. Hold it, the baby, and soon you'll find yourself sneaking around in the middle of the night giving the good gifts to naughty people. It makes your Christmas, and now let's make his Christmas. Would you pick him up and hold him closer to your heart? We will sing a song, and then we will together pick him up and hold him closer to our hearts. Oh, come to us So Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper and having given thanks, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. Would you pray with me? and try to make these words uh, your words. Lord God, we confess that we have tried to take life as our own possession. We have tried to take love as our own possession. We have tried to be our own creator. We have sinned against you. We confess our sin. And Lord God, we thank you that where we have taken, you have given. That even though we sin, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, and you revealed your glory all the more. And so we thank you for who you are, unbounded, relentless grace. And so, Lord God, we ask you to enter in. We ask you to be born in these mangers. We invite you to fill your sanctuary. We ask you to make us like yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we invite you to come forward, tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. The dark cups are wine, the light cups are juice. And if you prayed that prayer with just a mustard seed of faith, I mean, just a little bit of, a, well, I believe, but help my unbelief. Well, come forward. Come forward and receive the gift that God has for you. If, if you don't want communion, um, you can just walk right on by. You don't need to be embarrassed by it. But know this, that God wants you, and he's given everything to you. And so may you give yourself to him. In Jesus' name, let's worship.